Good day and welcome to another special, special episode of the Offside Musings podcast. On behalf of my co-host Emeka Onyawa, it's my delight to welcome you to today's episode where we will be looking at what I call the Peter Obi phenomenon. As you know, uh, former Governor Peter Obi is one of perhaps the top three candidates seeking the president the presidency in Nigeria. But Peter Obi, unlike his other two main competitors, has excited Nigerians in a way that we have not seen in recent memory. And so in today's episode, we're going to be discussing when, what all of this means and perhaps what is behind this spell, this great um, enthusiasm that Nigerians from all over the country, cutting across different demographic, um, uh, different demographics, have for this candidate, Peter Obi. You're welcome to this episode. We finally get to the uh, Peter Obi phenomenon. We um, do, yeah. It's pretty interesting the way it has uh, evolved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it seems to be evolving in some kind of movement. I don't know if it ends up being similar to you know more successful movements like that. Maybe um, what what was at that time. Um, Abiy Ahmed wasn't in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a movement. It was a bunch of resignations, but people supported him widely. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, technically, he's supposed to be from one of the largest ethnic groups that was always um, pushed away from power. But anyway, it's not about the Abiy Ahmed of today. Um, the Abiy Ahmed at that time, when he got into Eastern Ethiopia, um, where he had had the uh, TPLF. And not to go too far, but where you had had the Tigrayans, um, which is part of the civil war in this then now. Um, so there was kind of a movement that came in by accident and mm-hmm. ends up with Abiy Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe in a good, in, in a lot of people's minds, in a good, um, the best solution or the best outcome rather would be where you have these two um, Tatiku and Tinubu, these two guys, these two people get somehow, some way lose. Yeah. And somehow, some way they get what is like a knight in shiny armor. I think part of the story of Peter Obi is that he's prudent, he's stingy, at least supposedly. Yeah. Um, but either way, he's, he's, in my opinion, a way better option than the other two. Absolutely. I tell you, I, you know, um, initially, um, when people were telling me about Peter B, I didn't quite cutting up to, uh, to the reality of this um, momentum, you know, behind him. But um, over the last couple of weeks, as I spoke to friends, in Nigeria and friends from different parts of the country, 
um, and I spoke to Nigerians who reside in America as well as in Europe. Um, I, I, I began to get a sense that there's something real going on, okay? And uh, lately I began to see that something we've talked about a lot on this show, the NSAS movement, uh, which unleashed the energy of the youth, uh, unleashed a certain uh, desire on the part of young people to have a say uh, in the running of their country, not just to have a say, but to have the decisive say in the running of their country, which statistically, demographically speaking, uh, uh, makes sense. It's actually, uh, you know, you could almost say, why hasn't it happened before now? Uh, Nigeria has a predominantly young population. And it has a young population that is quite savvy when it comes to social media. All right. And uh, we saw this during the uh, NSAS movement, how they organized themselves, put out press releases, um, um, made arrangements for uh, all the protests all over the country, uh, the uh, entertainment, the feeding, the cleaning up after each day's protests. Uh, the command center uh, was run by young people. And so what I'm seeing is, I think that for the first time, that a lot of young Nigerians, but so I'm going to talk about young Nigerians for a second, but then this phenomenon is beyond the young, the way I look at it. But to stay with the young people, I think that they took a look at uh, a candidate like Tinubu, and uh, they saw a man who is clearly lost, who has clearly lost, not just a step, but um, and Atiku is at, I think 75, 76. And so Nigerian youth, short of getting somebody who is in, in his or her 40s, you know, mm -hmm. which we should actually be talking about a presidential candidate in that age bracket. But P2B has a certain vigor uh, P2B um, is, has gone around over the years and he's spoken about his vision so that he's not a stranger to Nigerians. Nigerians have heard what he did as governor and what he intends to do as president. And I think that, of course, you and I know that there's a lot of embellishment there. But even allowing for that embellishment, Obi represents a freshness okay and represents a recognition that nigeria is a disappointment and he talks about it and he's very self-reflective when he talks about the failure of the ruling class and uh, you see that he's paid attention um, that when he speaks he's able to reel out figures okay about comparable countries uh, or countries that 
Nigeria should be has every <coughs> reason to do better than the which have um, exceeded past Nigeria by a bunch. So there is something. Uh, finally, um, I was talking to you. Um, we've been talking over the phone the last few 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 days about uh, an event that I went to in New York last weekend, and how suddenly Obi became the conversation. Uh, and this was a mixture of generations. Okay, uh, Obi became the 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 focus of the entire conversation and not only were people talking excitedly about him but they were uh, they you know they were talking about putting in money and one of them said he wants to take time off from his work to go campaign for B. Um, so there's something really exciting there going on I don't know what you see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Objectively, you can see there's uh, something going on. Is it a social media online thing, or is it something that that is already on ground or will translate to the ground? It remains to be seen. Um, I mean, recent history spoke about NSAS, even though there's a, there's some level of dispute um, with how it first came about. There's a gentleman who came and said he actually wrote it down. Um, wrote down the whole campaign and you know the campaign was to, um, essentially what he said was that the campaign was to extract concessions make incremental changes to Nigerian policing mm. um, he said he wrote it down three years before uh, you know I, I'm not sure how old this man is but he's probably in his 50s or 60s uh, and that was a whole distant um, you know even if we take it for what it is what he said but at the end of the day it became a youth movement mm -hmm. against everything not just the police mm -hmm. and um, the reason why I bring up the history one is the history of the actual part of that history you know people sit down and attribute the success of Lagos mm -hmm. to Tinubu which <laughs> well um, to, the, to the extent to sort of give the devil his due, to the extent that Tinubu chose um, Fashola as his successor, I think that Fashola uh, became, in the reckoning of many, you know, a fairly successful, attentive governor in 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 Lagos State, and actually, I would think that the kind of excitement around Peter B today uh, uh, would also be invited, would be attracted uh, by somebody like uh, uh, Fashola, you know, if, if Fashola... Uh, if he had run at that time. If, if he had run, yeah, at that precisely time. at the Before time. he got into this... Before he got into the ministerial now, position. Now he's no longer that yeah, guy. Yeah, you yeah. Know. So, so yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we give just the same way you could people talk actually, which I kind of find it convoluted that mm -hmm. okay you, you brought in a Okonji Wala to do a job and then you know eventually she got um, taken out because they wanted to mm -hmm. to my opinion they wanted to claim credits for what was largely high efforts mm -hmm. but yes we can sit down and say I give them their due okay he brought in Fashola Fashola was a fantastic administrator mm -hmm. um, you know some moral police or police people or whoever so, so I tell police might point to the fact factually which 
Fashola was the administrator, Tinubu was the political godfather, mm -hmm. and Fashola let him reign for eight years, which made him even richer. Mm. Um, people can point to that as well. Mm -hmm. But Fashola, you're right, largely um, was a good, uh, a good, decent overall administrator, even though, again, there are question marks there in terms of letting Tinubu um, get away with, with bloody mother with so much of the resources of Lagos State yeah, they, they and, and, and even fashion and, and, and the current governor uh, Sangwa Olu who basically um, almost has abandoned um, governance in Lagos State and travels with Tinubu wherever Tinubu goes um, but let's return to another dimension uh, it's interesting what you what the point that you made because I the way I I, I look at these um, elections coming up, especially the presidential arm of it next year, is that there are actually two candidates in that race. There is Peter Obi on the one hand, and there is Atiku and Tinubu on the other hand. In the broader imagination of Nigerians, so Nigerians see sort of two men the PDP candidate and the APC candidate representing the old um, way of doing things, doing politics, which is sort of the backroom, uh, smoky room dealings, you know, where uh, the, sort of the politics that uh, somebody like the late uh, Tony Aneni presented. <laughs> oh, he's late now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tony Aneni died some years ago. Where, um, or again, the recently deceased Anemi, um, Ibinidion, uh, Ibinidion, all this, in Zeribe, Zeribe, you know, where where a group of men sit together in a room and decide, okay, we're, we're going to put in this person, and they they do whatever it took, all right, to ensure that this person is uh, wangled into office. I think that what's shaping up today is that Nigerians are going to say, you know, and there are, as you rightly pointed out, there are young people who support Atiku, there are young people who support uh, Tinubu. Um, and these young people, when you talk to them, some of them will say to you, oh, you know, they have the structure that sort of old language in Nigeria. Some is just tribal. And, and, and yeah, some of it is tribal. Yes, yeah. you know, some people sort of feel, okay, I'm Yoruba, I want Tinubu to, to, to take it. Some people are Hausa Fulani, uh, they want uh, Atiku. <clears throat> but what's exciting about P2B is that you find Yoruba, Hausa, ethic okay christian muslim people from different demographics who are saying we want nigeria to be fixed we no longer want this language because at the end of the day when somebody when you vote for somebody because he's yoruba you know how how does that help you if unless you are, you are in the reckoning, if you are one of the uh, less than 1% who are enabled to um, have illicit access to the resources of the country, 
then it's a different story. Then, you know, if uh, you are Yoruba and Tinubu wins and maybe you then have big contracts which you won't execute, but you get paid. Maybe you have board appointments. Maybe you have uh, access to oil block, all the different ways in which uh, public resources are privatized in Nigeria. And just public resources, by the way. Yes. If you even want to work for, I mean, one of the many things, by the yes. way, if you even want to work for mundane government position for those who don't know i don't want to necessarily call the gentleman's name but if you do a google search you'd see lots he works on advertising agency mm -hmm. um but the key thing was he and a whole bunch of people went to negotiate with the powers that be to extract minimal concessions as opposed to what the movement had now become mm -hmm. which was a movement widely against the Nigerian states and the failures, mm -hmm. in fact, the waste of generations in Nigeria. Um, it took a lot of steam, that and a few other things took a lot of steam out of the NSAS movement. So um, there are always those fifth colonists. Um, they are always there, there. You'd see, even as much as you've spoken about a mixture of generations, you also have a mixture of uh, generations supporting Atiku Abubakar. Mm -hmm and Bola Mentinubu. Mm -hmm. uh, these are two men mm -hmm. who have been in Nigerian politics since the 80s. And as a matter of fact, actually, Atiku at the point in time was my father's subordinate in, in the customs. So he had a um, he had a cousin who used to live in our block, I don't know if I call, but you know, they don't on themselves. Um, he had a cousin who used to live in our block and he used to live in, I used to live in Suleri, Lagos. He, uh, he used to live, I believe, in Babich Patals. His cousin used to live right in my block, Block D. You know, shout out to everybody from there. Um, and he used to come visit back then. And, um, you know, you would see, even with all the favoring, and the big key at this point, even with all the favoring, he was favored above, um, more qualified, more whatever, more experienced, more educated people like my dad, um, even with all that, that has gotten a way of explaining his immense wealth. Um, his immense wealth and political account goes from the PDM movement, mm -hmm. from uh, Maria Adua, from, you know, Yaradua had wanted him to be... Um, I mean, uh, Shehu, Shehu had wanted him to be vice president to uh, uh, Abiola. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they fell out, Abiola fell out, and, you know, they, they were part of the... And all these things, you would also see the listing of fifth columnists. Mm -hmm. They were also part of the people who went to embrace the military, uh, specifically Abacha. Yeah, because they didn't put Atiku as, well, one of the reasons, mm -hmm. but it was a major one for them. They didn't put Atiku as vice president because Atiku was their, um, it, it's not that they believe in his abilities, but they, they believe in him in that he would protect their interests. That's right. That's my own. Uh, this, that's, that's the, you know, but um, you would see in first administration during the passenger's time, people will attribute some of the professionals or technocrats or whichever term you want to use. Some of those people will attri attribute their set their serving or their um, uh, appointments to Atiku. Um, you know, at the same time, he was, like you rightly said, um, he was running a large part of the economy. He was running the National Council of Privatization, mm -hmm. which essentially created an oligarchy in Nigeria. Transferred, we, transferred government assets to private pockets. Yep, and that's how he made money. Mm -hmm. um, they, they could go and dispute whatever they want, but 
they, they, so many people, you could name names, uh, popular people, even that those that, uh, I believe if I'm not wrong, made money from the privatization of power assets. Uh, Femi Otedola, the same thing, Aliko Dangote. I'm not saying they didn't, they didn't display some level of skills, but um, it was just simply to create oligarchy amongst a certain caliber, of, a certain group of people. And Atiku was largely responsible for that. Um, he was so responsible that um, by the time of Basinger, according to the reports, by the time of Basinger uh, realized that they had sold the country under him and he wasn't even there. <laughs> to me, I, I felt he was even, he was not happy that he didn't get a big share of it, yeah. that's my own opinion. But anyway, the, 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 the story is that that was part of a Basinger's grouch with Atiku. Mm -hmm. And he went all the way after him, um, Atiku too truncated both his his uh, Obasanjo's um, godfatherism. A good example was what happened in Anambra, mm -hmm. which um, we've written about yeah. multiple times. Yeah. But he also helped truncate Obasanjo's third-term ambitions as well, mm -hmm. which was largely under Andy Ubai again, mm -hmm. uh, the same guy. So you have these actors, and you have uh, <laughs> you have Bola Ahmed Tinubu, a man with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, I mean, at this point in time, this man has so many scandals, his people don't even pay attention. Mm -hmm. We don't know where he's from. He's, he doesn't accept his real origins. Uh, he's reportedly has changed his name to Tinubu. Um, it sounds sexier, but I don't know why anybody would want, I don't know why anybody would hail anybody changing their name to uh, someone, um, all due respect, someone who was a very prominent slave trader. As recently as the 1890 Madam of Fionrit Tinubu, who had two children who didn't survive. Uh, but some way we still, uh, this is not slave trading in, in maybe the 13th century. This is not the Trans-Saharan slave trade. This was like 1800s, um, I've forgotten what dates Mr. Tinubu lived. And they, they, they you know, use that cloak, uh, get, they, they, they sit down and, and Yes, even though his adopted mother, Baba, the, the, the essence of it is that she was the head of market, the market women in Lagos, which is a very influential position in Lagos. Mm -hmm. That's the main key. He, he, you know, I mean, if you want scandals, um, they're all over the place. And, you know, people sit down and attribute the success of Lagos to mm Tinubu, -hmm. which... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, to, to the extent to sort of give the devil his due, to the extent that Tinubu chose um, Fashola as his successor, I think that Fashola uh, became in the reckoning of many, you know, a fairly successful, attentive governor in 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 Lagos State, and actually. I would think that the kind of excitement around Peter B today uh, uh, would also be invited, would be attracted uh, by somebody like uh, uh, Fashola, you know, if Fashola. Uh, if he had run at that time. If, if he had run, yeah, and that's precisely at the Before time. he got into the Before he got into the ministerial now, position. Now he's no longer that yeah, guy. Yeah. You know? So yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we give just the same way you could people talk actually, which I kind of find it convoluted that, okay, you, you brought in a Okonjiwala to do a job and then, you know, 
eventually she got um, taken out because they wanted to, mm-hmm. to my opinion, they wanted to claim credits for what was largely high efforts. Mm-hmm. But yes, we can sit down and say, I give them their due. Okay, he brought in Fashola. Fashola was a fantastic administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some moral police or police people or whoever, societal police might point to the fact factually, which Fashola was the administrator, Tinubu was the political godfather, mm-hmm. and Fashola let him reign for eight years, which made him even richer. Mm-hmm. Um, people can point to that as well. Mm-hmm. But Fashola, you're yeah, right, largely um, was a good, uh, a good, decent overall administrator, even though again, the question marks there in terms of letting Tinubu um, get away with, with bloody mother with so much of the resources of Lagos State. And even fashion And the current governor, uh, Samuel Lu, who basically um, almost has abandoned um, governance in Lagos State and travels with Tinubu wherever Tinubu goes. Um, but let's return to another dimension. Uh, it's interesting what you what the point that you made because I the way I I, I look at these um, elections coming up, especially the presidential arm of it next year, is that there are actually two candidates in that race. There's Peter Obi on the one hand, and there's Atiku and Tinubu on the other hand. It's the broader imagination of Nigerians. So Nigerians see sort of two men the PDP candidate and the APC candidate representing the old um, way of doing things, doing politics, which is sort of the backroom, smoking room dealings, you know, where uh, sort of the politics of uh, somebody like the late uh, Tony Aneni. (laughs) Oh, he's late now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tony Aneni died some years ago. Huh. Where, um, or again, the recently deceased Anemi, Ibinidion, all this, you know, where, where a group of men sit together in a room and decide, okay, well, we're going to put in this person. They, they do whatever it took, all right, to ensure that this person is uh, one good into office. I think that what's shaping up today is that Nigerians are going to say, you know, there are, as you rightly pointed out, there are young people who support Atiku, there are young people who support uh, Tinubu. Um, and these young people, when you talk to them, some of them will say to you, oh, you know, they have the structure, that sort of old language in Nigeria. Some is just tribal. And, and, and yeah, some of it is tribal. Yes. Yeah. You know, some people sort of feel, okay, I'm Yoruba, I want Tinubu to, to, to take it. Some people are Hausa Fulani, uh, they want uh, Atiku. <clears throat> but what's exciting about B2B is that you find Yoruba, Hausa, Efik, okay, Christian, Muslim, people from different demographics who are saying we want Nigeria to be fixed. We no longer want this language because at the end of the day, 
when somebody, when you vote for somebody because he's Yoruba, you know, how, how does that help you? If unless you are, you are in the reckoning, if you are one of the uh, less than 1% who are enabled to um, have illicit access to the resources of the country, uh, then it's a different story. Then, you know, if uh, you're Yoruba and Tinubu wins, and maybe you then have big contracts which you wouldn't execute, but you get paid. Maybe you have board appointments. Maybe you have uh, access to oil block. All the different ways in which uh, public resources are privatized in Nigeria. Not just public resources, by the way. Yes. If you even want to work for, I mean, one of many things, by the yes. way, if you even want to work for mundane government positions, mm-hmm. you need a sponsor. Yeah. You need a, yeah, you need a senator mm-hmm. or a member of the House of Representatives to sure. work for you. That's right. So even to just be a civil servant mm-hmm. in Nigeria. So I'm just oh, yeah. one of I mean, many ways. Th- these days, of course, you know, hardly do you find uh, even when government departments and ministries advertise personnel positions, in the end, who gets into those positions is often dependent on your ability to have access to political power that would then recommend you and so on. So that's that's well taken. So, but for me, as I said, um, in my imagination, and I think that increasingly that Nigerians are saying there are two kinds of politicians in this race. There's a Peter Obi who represents um, the common touch, who is talking about refreshingly talking about the problems of the country, uh, talking about issues of poverty, of unemployment, of the absence of power, uh, electric power in the country, uh, talking about healthcare crises, um, uh, talking about budgetary issues. How do you do budget? And how do you uh, monitor the budget so that monies that should go into projects, go into those projects rather than been, uh, having them been uh, frittered away in, in in corrupt schemes and so on. So Peter B is, is is giving a lot of speeches, and he is giving speeches. I, you know, he's um, uh, he reminds me, if you like, of of Obama, Barack Obama. Okay. <laughs> Um, he doesn't, of course, have Obama's eloquence. Mm. Uh, he doesn't have Obama's charisma. Um, but this is the way in which he reminds me of Obama. Mm-hmm. If you remember, when Obama came out initially, people were rather dismissive of him. They said, what has he done? Okay, he gave a great speech at a, dem- at a democratic convention. Okay. Beyond that, he was a community organizer. What does it even mean to be a community organizer? And I think that that's the same way that uh, some traditional-minded Nigerians and political pundits are dismissive of Peter Obi. Okay, yeah, he's reigning on, on, on social media, but elections are not held on social media. Elections are held in pulling boots. And uh, does he have enough legs on the, on the ground? Does he have offices and so on and so forth? But for the first time, Nigerians saw that in order to get the APC nomination, Tinubu had to pay for it. And I mean pay 
in cash to delegates. Atiku, in order to get the PDP nomination, had to give huge sums of money in cash to the PDP delegates. Obi was invited by the Labour Party to come take their ticket for no money. Of course, the party, as Dele Momodu uh, said in, in an interview, in, in a conversation, that the Labour Party doesn't have money. Uh, so that Obi is going to have to finance it. And Dele, Dele um, uh, spoke about, about how he himself, you know, when he ran on the ticket of the Labour Party, he said he, after he spent 10 million, he said, ah, that he was, you know, shaking, shaking up. <laughs> but Obi is not going to have that problem. First of all, Obi has a lot more money and, you know, um, you know, um, Obi has a lot more money and already there are people lining up, lining up Nigerians within the country and outside who are willing to give him a lot of money. And so sort of to underscore again, I think that part of what's going on is that Obi is able to look at Nigerians and level with them, show an attentiveness to detail, speak about Nigeria in relation to South Africa, in relation to Egypt, in relation to uh, Malaysia and Thailand and Indonesia, in terms of their export capacity, in terms of their power generation, ge generation capacity, in terms of the jobs, in, in terms of the standards of living in those countries. Um, is a kind of thing that an article will be absolutely incapable of. I mean, an article will talk about sort of that kind of hackneyed Nigerian phrase about. So I, I think that what we have here is that that you know that Obi is going to be the beneficiary, the net beneficiary of that um, energy that was unleashed by the Ensars movement. Um, and then I think that another disruptive event was COVID. You know, that with COVID, the Nigerian economy, which had struggled for years with unemployment, with just skyrocketing prices of goods, um, saw a compounding of those problems. So um, suddenly, um, as... A friend of mine was telling me the other day that more and more of his friends who used to get by now call him just asking for pittance, like 2,000 naira, 5,000 5, in order to put food on the table. So there is um, little margin of, of comfort for Nigerians. Uh, poverty has deepened. And Nigerians saw during uh, the two and a half years of COVID uh, a new face of corruption by the old political guard, you know, where several state governors promised to provide palliatives, they called them. The federal government promised 
uh, pledged to provide uh, funds uh, to uh, suffering Nigerians. And those funds allegedly were spent, but nobody knows who benefited, you know. <coughs> and so when Obi begins to speak about his approach to statecraft, about his common touch, how he will go to schools and how he'll uh, give his telephone number to um, senior prefects in secondary schools and so on. Um, I mean, one isn't sure that all of that happened. I think that there is some embellishment going on there. But there is no question that as governor would be um, de-emphasized uh, some of the pomp and pageantry that a lot of Nigerian governors and presidents and other people who have political power sort of like to bask in. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, you said it twice. Um, let's say it again. Yeah, there's embellishment and some of the things will be said. Um, I don't know if you've gone through what sure was, uh, you know, trying to, you know, but he, he wasn't, to me, trying to do it in a serious way. I think it was just more about wanting that attention for himself, all due respect to Shuri. Um, You know, there's, there is a level of embe embellishment. Um, I would say to some degrees, the type of embellishment you expect from, from a, somebody who has political instincts. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's everywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, people remember, you talked about Obama, I wouldn't quite put him to that distance of Obama for a number of reasons. I think Obama, for even if you just take it on face value, Obama had a path um, making enough noise. He came out, I remember the Lion King entrance, the speech, John Kerry convention, remember in 2004? I think it was September, I think. I remember it very clearly. I watched all the whole thing. Um, you know, he captivated an audience. I mean, that's, that, I think that's that captivation you articulated um, you know, so he, he did captivate an audience to, to a certain degree, but he knew, okay, he got into the Senate, he had these, that, that political instinct. He, I remember him talking about, uh, talking with who is still the senior senator from Illinois, uh, where Obama was the junior senator. He said he spoke with Dick Durban and he said he went to run for president and Dick Durban took one look at him and said, I think you need to do it now. <laughs> because if you have, once you have a track record, you're mm, done. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see that in American politics, people that get nominated anywhere or run nowadays, and it's gotten worse, don't, don't have a track record. OB, Mr. Peter OB, on the other hand, is somebody who does have a track record to some degree. And I think another thing to add to what uh, has done a lot to, uh, from, you know, about him is the fact that he was governor for eight years. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, he was a he rose to the top level at his bank. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe he might still even have shares there. Mm -hmm. No idea, mm -hmm. but he rose to become the number one person in his in the bank. Aside from the board of directors, you know, and after he left office, he's largely unlike all these other people. He's largely left office. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the statement of him not collecting pension, which I was trying to allude to with the with the fascia. Even though he, you know, he left, they collect all this pressure and they get multiple cars every couple of years, all that stuff. You could go Google it and check it out. I think anybody that, you know, picks picks that up is criminalistic in, in nature. I think people hearing that feel that way. And to hear a governor say he didn't take, he left, 
Well, he obviously had made money anyway before he came there, you know. So he has a track record, but he has another another path where he doesn't have. He's not. He's not in. He's not a politician, like you've said. Mm-hmm. He's not. You know. You, you you call them the old he, heads. He he has never depended on politics to eat, as it were, which is the curse, the peculiar curse of Nigeria that you have uh, people who. Um, could be excellent lawyers and medical doctors and you know other professionals, but they get into into politics because they are hungry, and they see politics as the arena where they can accumulate the largest amount of of money quickly and uh, without anybody questioning them. And where the more you accumulate, the more you are. Uh, instead of your index rising as a criminal with uh, the prospect of going to jail in Nigeria, the more you steal, the greater your political um, capital, um, you know, yeah. but, but prestige, you yes. know, and um, you 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 come to a point where, of course, Nigerians uh, can't even contemplate the pro- the possibility of you going to jail. Because you've stolen, <laughs> you've stolen billions. It's, not, so it's not even possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the cases are bound. So, the Bori coming back. Yeah, you know, yeah. so on. So you know, so somebody like Peter Obi, I think that, um, and I must underscore because you know, uh, those of you who have followed my columns over the years will know that um, uh, when Peter Obi ran for governor of Anambra State and was rigged out by the PDP, and uh, uh, Chris Ngige, uh, Dr. Chris Ngige, was put in by the PDP uh, illegitimately. I, I didn't know who Peter Obi was at the point, but uh, everybody that I knew and trusted told me that Obi clearly had won that election. And so I began to, uh, to, to write in my columns that he must pursue the reclamation of his mandate and that it wasn't an option for him to choose to give it up because there were people who were calling on him to uh, uh, rescind uh, his quest for 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 the office and uh, the argument was that Nkige was paying salaries and building roads and so on. And I uh, argued that, in fact, even if Obi wanted to give up, that it wasn't up to him, that it's a sacred mandate uh, that belonged to the people of Anambra State, and they had simply made him the custodian of it, and that it was his moral and ethical uh, duty to pursue uh, that mandate. And I'm proud. I was proud that he uh, remained focused and um, unflinching in his, and, and unbending in his pursuit of that mandate, and that ultimately he triumphed in court. And I think that that experience shaped the kind of politician that he's become. So I was not always a fan of his. In fact, I've had famous battles with him. I had famous battles with him when he was governor. Um, some, um, some public and some private. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> most, most of it, most of it, you know, my battles are uh, private in the sense that I had access to his telephone number, and so I could call him and discuss some of the things that I considered um, wrong 
in his uh, style and mm -hmm. uh, the substance of his policies and so on. Um, but I had a, a big brouhaha with him uh, when state um, doctors went on strike. And um, I felt that he did not, uh, uh, that he was too indifferent um, to, uh, to, to the imperative of, it, of resolving that strike quickly, okay? So that that strike dragged on for, I think, in excess of six months, you know? Um, and that's partly because he felt, you know, the state has no money, I'm not going to pay you anymore. But it went beyond that. That it's also the way that the doctors felt that he didn't, you know, take negotiate with them seriously enough, right? That he, you know, basically almost gave them the finger. Okay, but I think that even in Anambra State, that made him very, very unpopular at that point. I think he made up for it through his other. Um, acts as a governor and so he's one of the most popular politicians in Anambra State and indeed uh, in Nigeria beyond Anambra State. Um, so the, the, the thing is is it possible for him to win the 2023 elections? I was listening uh, a couple of days ago to an event where Godwin Obaseki, the governor of, of uh, Edo State, mm -hmm. uh, was speaking and he said to his fellow, I guess he was speaking to his party members, and he said to them that, uh, that he hopes that they are aware that everybody is obedient, you know, these days. A, a lot of young people are talking about being obedient, which is, you know, <laughs> an, a, 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 a catchphrase. Yeah, cat, cat, uh, yeah, catchphrase in Nigeria, talking about being for obi. Um, a slogan. And, yeah, a slogan. It's, it's yeah, a catchphrase, uh, yeah, being, slogan. Being obedient. And even when this nuisance of a priest, uh, Father Ejike Mbaka, um, preached against obi and said obi was never going to be amount to anything politically, because Obi had refused to give him money when he held an event and Obi attended, and that God will not give power to a stingy man. Um, so it's interesting that in the past, such criticism coming from, quote-unquote, a man of God in Nigeria might have counted against Obi. But in this case, people said, wow, he, he came to your event as a priest and he didn't give you money? That's what we want now, <laughs> okay? We want somebody... Because, you know, the truth is that uh, politicians, governors, play Father Christmas with public funds. So they go to events, and they give millions of, 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 of naira, sometimes hundreds of millions, which is not budgeted, which is public funds in a country where there are things that are needed, um, uh, you know, just to meet basic needs of the people. And so it's like everything you throw at Obi, uh, his supporters become even more passionate 
in their support for him and they feel that this is um yeah he he does uh, have he does have um a real base without a doubt um he does have a real base um and he first started in Anambra when you when you when he left the this thing, nobody knew if if you go back to it nobody really knew who he was in the Abga primaries I think he was coming polling fifth behind everybody um and for those who know Ujuku Ojuku comes out, um, and those who understand Ojuku's history politically, uh, post um, return from Cote d'Ivoire, yeah. if you understand the history, the summary of the history is that he wasn't, he since he, he didn't just lose there, he really did lose. You know, he didn't just, he wasn't rigged out, or you understand, you know, how he jumped to the MPN and all that. I believe you were there as a. As a young reporter and some of those those mm-hmm. events, you know, so Ojuku had learned a lot of lessons over the years, and his popularity had grown to a large, um, even cult-like to some degree in some places. Mm-hmm. And Ojuku came out and held Obi's hand, and I believe he said, "If you know, if there's and anything, this is his political son." Well, exactly. Yeah. There you go. You know, and that um, pushed it forward, um, pushed him for in the eyes of the people. They voted him in, even in a very rigged system. He still won. Mm-hmm. Um, and there and was something, by the way, there was something brilliant that Obi did, what? which I think if he replicates it, uh, it's going to make him uh, a very, very powerful candidate. What Obi did was that he got young people to record the votes at the polling areas, okay? Because part of what happens in Nigeria is that elections are held, the results are called, and then as the results are collated at the next level, they change figures. So B had an army of young people, you know, so sort of uh, a, a reprise of what we're seeing today. Yeah. yeah. Who were polling boats who took snapshots of the real figures. So he was able to, when he went to Qatar ultimately, he was able to establish that these were the correct figures rather than the figures that the uh, ruling party at the time, the PDP, had, uh, had rigged. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's very interesting. You know, so you'd see that, that distant who, unlike a fascia, you contrast that with a fascia who goes into the center of, of power and, and you know becomes power minister for power and steel and promises and sort of demystifies himself. I mean, yeah. he's become uh, he's become. <laughs> I don't know. Let, let me be nice to him. I think he's become like a houseboy of Tinubu in some way. I, I, let me, you know, sorry, no, I, I just well, feel, no, it, no, I feel no, it's that bad. No, I actually <laughs> think that Fashola um, was able to distance himself as a minister, as a minister from 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 Tinubu, right? To some degree. The, the, the greater tragedy of Fashola is that Fashola went in uh, into the Buhari's cabinet. And I think it's partly a reflection of the president, that this is a president who epitomizes incompetence and, uh, well, and, 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 and so Fashola did not disappointed Nigerians. When Fashola, you look at it, he almost certainly, I mean, we could go and check the records. He almost certainly collects this weird pension. They pay ex-governors. Mm-hmm. Um, he was supposedly had a decent practice because um, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember Ishim from his wife because his wife used to go to St. Anthony's Igbaja. Mm-hmm. 
which uh, while I was in Lagos, while I was in Lagos in the the, the arts, the two the two thousands, she was going to that parish. Um, so he he could have left, should have left, never did. Unlike Obi, who sometimes the names would be floated mm. here and there, mm-hmm. but ultimately he wasn't a political player yeah. for those kind of offices. Well, Obi did have a falling out with uh, the man who succeeded him. Um, Willie Obiano, you yeah. know, so they had uh, a, politi- a major political fallout. Um, so I think that that also accounted for, which is part of why you'd be left Abga. Uh, Abga and, went to PDP. and went to PDP, which is one of the few things that count against him. You know, again, uh, when he was in Abga, he he said that he will never leave the party, that he was going to die with the party, and so on and so forth. So there is this um, viral interview with the uh, APGA uh, national chairman, Victor Oye, who happens to be my townsman, mm-hmm. uh, saying that he will, be, uh, will go nowhere because uh, he entered into a bond, and that he's broken his bond, and that uh, the only recourse for Obi was to return to APGA, Anyway, I don't. Yeah, I think I don't take seriously uh, things that politicians stay, say say on the stump. You know, when a politician says, "I'm going to stay with this political party until death do us part," uh, it's essentially uh, political speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can't. In way, the way politics works in Nigeria, you can't. You just. I mean, <laughs> we'll be breaking that down a lot more, but. You you just uh, unless you want to really actually enslave yourself to um, whatever it is, you can't. You just got to move on. Um, you look at the case of uh, Tinubu, for instance, when he was uh, AD, mm-hmm. Alliance for Democracy, yeah. yep. and then morphs onto APC. APC. But people forget, and the morphing onto APC, essentially, key part of AD were subdued, neutered, um, especially like the Amphenifere parts, mm-hmm. the Bolaige factions. Mm-hmm. Um, the what was left of it anyway, because mm-hmm. with, without Bolaige and mm-hmm. Oyebanjo, and um, I had even I believe Oyebanjo, who is the octogenarian, is the leader of the um, is the leader of the um, of the um, um, uh, and some other places. Come, I believe he, the leader received to be favorably. Something in that yes, direction. Yes, yes, yes. Well, he's actually said, at the banjo, I believe, that he's actually said that, um, in the, which is another point that I wanted to make. Um, I've always said that I'm not interested in an Igbo president. I want a competent president. Okay? Um, so, I'm, in a sense, delighted that there is an ex- some excitement around Obi, not on account of his being Igbo, but based on the perception by a growing number of people that of everybody out there who is a serious contender for the presidency, that Obi uh, is by far the man who's done uh, his homework and the man whose uh, pedigree and antecedents would inspire confidence in his ability to provide Nigerians with serious leadership. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
But having said that, there is no doubt that some a lot of fair-minded Nigerians from the southwest, from the Niger Delta, from the Middle Belt, and from different parts of the north have made the point that you, Nigeria can no longer afford to treat the Igbo as if they were political pariahs. And that uh, there is a certain, uh, whether we like it or not, there's a certain uh, way that the Igbo have embraced the Nigerian project. Uh, a way that they have dispersed throughout Nigeria. It's almost as if with their feet that the Igbo have um, established their commitment, their faith, their um, uh, just just their belief, if you like, in the Nigerian the prospect of the Nigerian pro- project. So it is terribly anomalous that whenever uh, Anibo has sought the presidency in the country, that in one way or another, this Igbo candidate has been pushed to the side. So there is a, a kind of justice, if you like, there's a sense of moral imperative, which I listened to, I forget his name now, but he's a very bright Yoruba lawyer. Faratini. Yes. Yeah, Faratini. Who made the point in the very poignantly, very cogently, and he says that if Nigeria, and like me, he said that he would prefer a country where we didn't say is the turn of this ethnic group. But he said, but that's the kind of country we've created and that you can't continue the game. And then it comes to the turn clearly of the Igbo. And you say, okay, we're suspending that arrangement so to rig it against the Igbo. So I think that OB is also a beneficiary in some way of that kind of impetus um, that there are lots of people who feel that this is perhaps the best shot, the best opportunity for Nigeria to say symbolically and yet realistically to the Igbo that the war and the memory of it is behind us, that we are going... It's like Obama, the way when Obama became president in this country. I think that it went a long way toward not burying the ghost of the of slavery and so on, but it went a, it went a long way uh, toward establishing that there is a will in this country to seek racial healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not just the yeah. It it it. it I, I would say. It went. It went a long way to um, bring um, what you might describe as ethnic minorities, or I just simply say, you know, black people, or ethnic, whatever, to to the center of of national politics. And people would be like, "Well, there has been," but it, it really, 
it made a lot of people feel like they they had they belonged mm-hmm. to you know. But anyway, a lot of things have happened since then. Sure. Uh, but I I feel like right now the bees. The costume he's wearing is more of Bernie Sanders. And that was the point I was going to make earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, when Obama ran, there was a clear path, mm-hmm. right? And um, nobody really thought he would win. Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary was the anointed one. Yeah. Uh, Boss, Gail Boss. <laughs> Hillary was the anointed candidate, president, Madame Chief Mrs. Mm-hmm. Hillary. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Nobody thought he would win. After he won, they made sure it wouldn't happen again. Mm-hmm. They, in a, in essence, in the American version, they rigged the primaries. In the American version, what does that mean? They've um, made voting. Uh, they've made certain people unable to vote. Um, the metamorphosis of that the best examples is like Bernie Sanders, where you had over two million people in New York who wanted to vote for him, who were excluded by new rules new rules like you had to be a democrat in the democratic party for six months prior to this thing and the they, they, made, they made it very bright primary and they made it very fuzzy mm-hmm. um i see right now of being that bernie sanders category mm. people are liking he is an economic populist in his rhetoric mm-hmm. he is a, a, you know people are liking what they're hearing people are liking in fact, the more you attack him, the more popular he gets. The more gets. he resonates. Yeah. <laughs> so people are loving that. So I see him more as a Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. kind of person. I, I actually, personally, I actually agree with that. You know, mm-hmm. I personally believe in uh, a lot of Bernie Sanders' economic uh, populism. You know, I see. You know, um, I see him more as that. He could, however, surmount the hurdle that Bernie Sanders wasn't allowed to surmount, mm-hmm. no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. Even the last time when Biden ran, they made sure they cobbled up. Bernie was close to surmounting it, by the way. Mm-hmm. They made sure they cobbled it up, pushed him ar- around. Eventually, it got to a point where he had a chance of winning. And they pushed other candidates out. And those ones that didn't want to get out, they found a way of getting Obama to endorse Biden. Mm -hmm. Even though Obama never wanted to endorse Biden, even -hmm. even the first time when Biden, um, when uh, Hillary ran the second time, Obama didn't want to endorse Biden. He had some famous quotes, by the way. So I see, I see Obin somewhere in between, somewhere more on the Bernie side. People like that message. Mm -hmm. He could, he could cross the finish line. Very possible. Um, but it remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. He's going out there talking, doing the job, seeming like he cares. You know, yes, a lot of it is media campaigns. You have individuals who are, um, who are, who are media savvy, this uh, uh, thing savvy. So yes, a lot of it is media campaigns, um, without a doubt, one hundred percent. But still, it's resonating with people, and yeah, that's. Like you, I'll use the word you've used, embellishment. There is there is a good degree of embellishment there. Just but you know, politicians there, embellish. You, you it's know, the same kind of embellishment yeah. you would expect from a, any savvy politician. Obama, Trump, who do you like? Mm-hmm. You name it. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of some of the favorites in Nigeria, 
the Awala was, the Ziggs, the Amadou Bello. Amadou Bello was a little less political, to be honest, but that's neither here nor there. Obi is at that stage where um, you've made the point, uh, dealing with more, they talked about he didn't have money. We've seen people donate a lot of money to Obi. It's not about whether you, they've publicly donated and they've, so a lot of them have put their names out there. This is not like, and you might be in Nigeria and you might not like, um, you might feel you don't, you might feel one way or the other about some of them, but they are publicly donating. People are, are, are um, backing him. You know, there's an, there's a, there's, you know, there's a will be talks that people believe he's like a choir boy, <laughs> in a good way, by the way. Because um, I think, I think, especially for certain other candidates, in fact, if you look at, Atiko and Obi, they have similarities in tone, not um, when I say pitch. You know, amongst these guys, you're you looking at exactly what you said. There is Atiko and Tinubu, which in that battle, to me, I think is probably Atiko because I fail to see where Tinubu is going to build bridges. He has too many bridges that he has bridges, but not that kind of bridge that would win a national election. Atiku would probably go through with his announced Delta State Governor, uh, Akoa. You know, he makes sure he puts out South and Igbo in one sentence. Tells you how good his speechwriters are. Um, and most people just see an Atiku as a, an OB as a separate lane on his own. And it doesn't matter what the, um, whether the choir critics might say or the public critics like Shore, who has been, you know, his, his, Ishore has talked so much about Obi that people that have heard him, any people that actually, a lot of people that liked him, Ishore that still liked him, have, you know, started wavering on him. So um, those are the two options. And, you know, for Obi, it's a very interesting phenomenon. I think it's, it's you're right, it's tapped into that NSAS thing, that NSAS as well. So it's like a movement that has the potential, every potential, to overcome and be a successful movement from the ground up, um, you know. So, um, but obviously, it's it's going to be exactly what you said. What Obi did, sat down, he went and recruited people to go to polling units and take pictures. I don't know the logistics of it, but I'm pretty sure they were smart enough in um, having more people in more 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 uh, dangerous polling units for sure uh, when i say dangerous i mean more uh, what's the word i'd use more um, um um you know polling units that were more likely to be rigged you know i'm sure they were strategic in those kind of that's an example of the way they, they probably were so so yeah that's that's uh, that's the that's the current phenomenon of uh, uh mr peter Obi. i don't know what his middle name is but I can't remember rather, mm. <laughs> but Mister Peter would be. Um, that's the that's the phenomenon. Um, there's a whole bunch of things. Uh, like I like we said, there's a whole bunch of things about him. He's an interesting candidate, um, and for sure, it, you know, without a doubt, it, he's exciting a whole spectrum of people. You see, I'm yeah. fair. You see, mm-hmm. you, know, that you see the you see that group. So it's it's interesting and it's it's heartwarming to this thing. It's a different question from. Um, in fact, the first question is, first reality is, is he's exciting people. Next thing is, um, can he win? It's a question. 
but it's a completely different scenario from if yeah. he does win. Yeah. Well, you know? yeah, so there are, for me, there are actually three questions. So one is, uh, is he exciting people? Is it real? The answer is yes. He's exciting a lot of people, a, a wide swath uh, throughout the country, and it's real, it's growing. Uh, in terms of um, uh, just people lending him their voice, lending their feet, lending their um, property as party uh, offices and so on, uh, urging people to go and, and obtain their voting cards and um, also lending him their money. So that's real. The other one is, can he win? And I think that if the elections are free and fair, and if we'll be able to run a smart race, um, he has a lot of ground to cover. You know, so people talk about structure and so on. I was listening to a very interesting take by a female pastor who says, we're going to vote against structure because structure is what has kept Nigeria the way it is. Of course, in Nigeria, when they talk about structure, in a lot of ways, what they mean is we've stolen your money enough that we can tell you we have structure. So the woman is saying, we're going to, you know, do away with structure. And you know how in Nigeria, when a strong candidate comes out, uh, a lot of Nigerians say, oh, this person cannot win, so don't waste your vote. Uh, a way of persuading you to ultimately vote for uh, the old dependable, certain-to-fail kind of politician. And so this pastor says, yes, we're going to waste our vote. Okay? We're going to waste it on Obi. And it is in that determination to waste your vote that ultimately Nigerians can handle Obi victory. For me, the crucial question then becomes, and we're going to spend months uh, examining this, can Obi then deliver on the expectations of Nigerians and on the promise that is made to Nigerians is going to be a tall order. Uh, partly because well, you're looking at a bankrupt country, financially bankrupt. You're looking at a country which, in which everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And everything that can go wrong will go wrong in Nigeria, dependably. So you are looking at not just a crisis of development, but a crisis of culture and of morality, where uh, it's as if too many people have chosen that Nigeria is a space where they can commit all kinds of criminal acts, get ahead financially, and then if they want a modicum of semblance, then they go to Dubai or to South Africa or to Ghana or to the U.S. And then they spend money and then they, they get that semblance of uh, normalcy in those countries. So it's going to be tough should it be win to run Nigeria and to effect a lot of those things that he's talked about. But... The good thing is that if Obi wins, he will be the only candidate who will not have bought it. The only candidate for whom we can say that, in fact, Nigerians 
support the presidency for him. Nigerians went out, donated their time, donated their energy, donated their money to secure the presidency for him. So he's going to be, in the true sense of the word, a custodian of public trust. And so even that kind of burden will place on him ultimately will, will that, that kind of that kind of situation will place on him the burden of living up to the expectations of the people because if he fails to should he win uh, <laughs> it's it's like the entire collective curse of a nation and is crushed expectations and dreams will be on his head and not him and not his progeny till the end of time <laughs> can afford that kind of curse so but that's a conversation that we're going that's to have that's a future conversation that's a mm. lots of conversations yeah, actually but so yeah, yeah. we just we just i mean it's great to see the um, phenomenon like you know, I mean, it's just great to see um, a level of energy arguments. Um, I've seen online where mm -hmm. people have arguments, which you know, when Nigeria, I was in Nigeria, I saw some of the older generation, you know, completely. You guys should, in fact, I have guys in my set in, in politics in, in Lagos who are all about wait your turn, wait, this is not the structure exactly mm -hmm. what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So it's great to see why, as all of a sudden. That thing that you always say, that thing we always talk about, like if you know that they're going to rig the election yeah. and the outcome is certain, why don't you take your vote and vote for somebody you Pre care about precisely, anyway? Precisely, <laughs> precisely. And, you know, I mean, um, Obi is a disruptive candidate and Nigeria is a country that needs disruption. You know, it's like I've always I've said for years now that when our politicians say that they want to be hold this and that office in order to move their state or the nation forward, um, what I picture in my mind is that Nigeria is has been heading for years, for decades now, toward a precipice. So I say, no, we don't want to get moved forward. <laughs> we actually want you to stop and put the country in reverse gear because we're going the wrong way. We've been going the wrong way for years and years and years. And so what we need is a disruptive kind of leader who says to us, we're not going to move that forward. We're going to actually move backward because our destination, we've missed it. Mm. Uh, the turn a long order. time ago. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Um, I always say whoever will be able to do that needs to understand you need to be a dictator um, to a large degree. You know, well, the, 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 the thing is that if, <clears throat> I think I think if somebody like Obi wins, right? Um, if, if somebody like Obi wins, this is what's going to happen. Then he wouldn't need to be a dictator. He, he would have come to Nigerians and secured from them this idea that we want a different way of doing things. So he, he would not need to be a dictator. He will simply say, this is the work that has to be done, okay? I'm entrusting it in you. 
if you don't do it, Nigerians would then demand that you be jailed because it would be a, a different ethos, a different order. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, being a dictator, perhaps even a military dictator who has vision might be an extraordinary gift to Nigerians, but I think that we are past that moment in history where we can fantasize about military dictatorship. Oh yeah. So let's do it a different way and so let's oh, hopefully yeah. uh sustain this uh yeah, not, not a military dictator but a strong man of some sort. But an Abassanger could have done it. Yes. If Abassanger did not in lend, his, in his lend head, himself in his head he did it. Yeah. In, uh, Abassanger, <laughs> in, you know, in he, his head. he crowned himself he crowned himself the founder of modern Nigeria. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It is he did it, but that, that man did so much to wreck Nigeria because okay. he he was an imperial president. He could have actually uh the same way he empowered Adedibu and uh, Chris Ooh. Oba and so on. Abassanjo could have put the right people in place and, kept, and put the right policies in place in kept Nigeria. Kept the old guys in or even yeah. even um, um what they call him Saraki and Kwara. Yes, yes. The list is endless. Um but you're right. Anyway. You're right. It would be, Obi would be somebody that would have the energy of the people. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in a way And that's all you need yeah. ultimately. If the people are behind you that's all you need. Anyway, so it's been such a thrill. We knew that we would have fun with this conversation, with this episode, and uh, it's actually exceeded uh, my fun quotient. And um, so please, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having you in future episodes. All right. Have a brilliant rest of the day. Oh, 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 oh